The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Thanks for coming in, all you guys, uh, for the Buffalo Rumblings Q&A on Facebook Live this week. Uh, we've got some questions that are here in uh, the, the bank from last week's episode that I'm going to start with, but feel free to throw your questions in to our chat here uh, on Facebook Live. Uh, my name is Matt Warren. I'm the editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. We're recording live tonight on Facebook uh, over at the Buffalo Rumblings page. That's just one of the ways you can get in touch with us on a weekly basis by sending us messages on Facebook. You can also call and leave a voicemail at 716-508-0405 to send your uh, voicemail questions in for our weekly podcast on Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. You can also send text messages to that phone number. Uh, you can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle of it. Emails Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. So what we're doing tonight is we're taking your questions live on Facebook. So you can just start chatting and popping those into the chat uh, at the bottom of your screen right there. And we'll answer those questions live. Um, I'm going to go over to our questions from last week and uh, start there just to get us kind of rolling here. Leave your questions in our comment section here at Facebook Live, and I'll get to them uh, before we get going here in a second. But um, last week we did do our Ask Me Anything over at buffalorumblings.com and the Buffalo Rumblings Q&A podcast. So there were lots of great questions and answers that we don't normally get to. We talked about all sorts of stuff around the blog, the the podcasts, um, food takes, uh, just lots of different uh, cool things. Um, Van Scott asks us, he's one of our commenters over at buffalorunnings.com, and he says, how do you feel about our quarterback room? I ask because all of the quarterbacks on our roster lack similarities. They're all very different players. One, whether it's arm strength, experience, mobility, or styles of leadership, there's a lack of similarities. Um, please include your reply, uh, the effect a change in quarterback midseason would have on the offensive scheme as a whole. So there's a lot to talk about with this question. Our state of the Buffalo Bills roster series is going to start up here in a day or so as we ramp up for hopefully the start of NFL training camps. And one of the rooms we're going to talk about a lot is the quarterback room. It's a very diverse group. Uh, That's certainly correct. Josh Allen is way different than Matt Barkley, who's different than Jake Fromm, who's way different than... um, 
who is it, Davis Webb? <laughs> Who's their fourth quarterback? Why can't I think of his name? But um, Josh Allen has a rocket arm. Uh, Matt Barkley doesn't. Uh, Jake Fromm is a rookie. Matt Barkley has a ton of experience. So the Bills quarterback room is certainly, certainly very diverse, as, as Van mentioned in our comments section here. Um, obviously, Josh Allen's going in as the unquestioned starter, but if he gets hurt, who's going to be able to come in and replace him? Nobody, probably. And then there's still going to be a very big drop-off. Matt Barkley would come in to keep the seat warm or, or just kind of get us through to you know the, the next game or, or whenever Josh Allen could return. Um, it is a very diverse room, and that does create problems when you're talking about going week to week. If, if you have to go with different quarterbacks, say one of them is you know down with an injury or a coronavirus or something like that, we don't know how that's all going to play into this. And so, yeah, it, it is problematic for Brian Dable, but at the same time, Brian Dable has designed game plans for some really terrible starting quarterbacks throughout his time as an NFL offensive coordinator. So that doesn't bother me as much, especially we've seen Matt Barkley come in and be successful uh, in short notice coming in and uh, playing. He beat the Jets just a couple of years ago um, on short notice. So it doesn't necessarily scare me. This team is going to be built to win by their defense and the running game um, with some passing and some deep balls and things like that. So Obviously, we want the passing offense to be good, but I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the bread and butter game in and game out like Josh Allen chucking it for four or five thousand yards this year. It just doesn't make sense to me. So um, I think that they can work around that if that does happen. And again, that comes from Van Scott, one of our commenters over at BuffaloRumlings.com. Um Mark Gump asks us here on Facebook Live. By the way, type in your uh, comments down here on Facebook Live, and we will go with that. Uh, those will get the priority questions. Uh, did the Bills ever reach out to Cam Newton? Um, who knows? Uh, we don't know behind-the-scenes stuff. There have been multiple reports that only one team made a firm offer to him, and that was the New England Patriots. I would assume that behind-the-scenes people were having conversations Um Maybe the Bills reached out to him and said, hey, do you want to come in for a workout? But if it got far beyond that, I'd be surprised. The Bills are putting all their eggs in the Josh Allen basket. And as multiple other outlets and multiple other folks have talked about this offseason while Cam Newton has been available, if they bring in Cam Newton, if Josh Allen has a bad half or a bad series, people are going to be pounding the table for Cam Newton to come in. And it just puts so much pressure on Allen to be perfect all the time. Now, he's risen to those challenges every single time. He's always risen to stressful situations, at least the second time he's gone through them. But this would be way different. It would be an entire fan base possibly really calling for his backup quarterback. I mean, people have been asking for Matt Barkley, and um, that's surprising enough to me. So if if people were actually asking for Matt Barkley, what are they going to do when Cam Newton's sitting back there? It's going to be a pretty loud uh, you know, chaos in, in the Bills fan base. So I'm not 100% sure that that would have been a great idea for them. And obviously the Bills didn't think it was a great idea for them either to pursue Cam Newton. Uh, if they were worried about him, if Josh Allen was entering the last year of his deal, um, like Marcus Mariota last year in Tennessee and the Bills like 
we're like, maybe we go this way, maybe we go that way, then a Cam Newton signing might make more sense. But because they're tied to Josh Allen for two or three more years, it makes more sense for them to give him a little bit wider berth. I hope I answered your question. Uh, thanks for uh, asking it over on Facebook Live. Who is that? Mark Gump. Uh, James Kralovets. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Uh, how do you think our offensive line is going to unfold with the starters? Especially because of the modified offseason this year. I think that, you know, just going status quo left to right across the front is probably the most likely uh, scenario. Left tackle, Deion Dawkins. Uh, left guard is, um, why well, can't I think of his name? I see his face. Oh, well. Um, oh, he, the Bills just featured him, and oh, man. Now I'm looking like an idiot. Um, but I can't think of his name. Whew, Quentin Spain. Okay, so we have Quentin Spain, left guard. Uh, at center is Mitch Morris. At right guard is John Feliciano. And then at right tackle is um, probably... I'll say um, Cody Ford. The Bills want to see what they have in him. It's time to really help him get his feet wet. So I'm going to say he starts the year as the number one option at right tackle. There, is, there are a couple other different options. I'm really intrigued by Daryl Williams at the right guard spot, which might push uh, John Feliciano over to the left side in replacement of Quentin Spain, who I didn't think was that great last year. I thought he was okay at left guard. Um, so maybe we'll see Feliciano swing over there and... Um, Darrell Williams come in at the, the right guard spot, which he has like great potential for. Um, Cody Ford is the likely right tackle, in my opinion, uh, but Ty Inseki is certainly going to be um, a player in that game. And so if he's at right tackle, if he's the swing tackle that might go left tackle, the right tackle, that makes a lot of sense. But I think your starting five are going to be pretty close to the starting five that they were last year, unless Daryl Williams comes in and just like absolutely manhandles a spot away. But again, that would surprise me, at least at this point, just because of the way the offseason has gone. Um, thanks for asking that question, uh, James. <sighs> Timothy Montforth asks us, I feel Gabriel Davis is going to be a big contributor in the passing game. I hope so, but he's probably going to be the fourth wide receiver at best. So at least this year, I don't know how many snaps he's actually going to get. Let's go over to uh, the snap counts from last year just to look at the wide receiver snap counts. You had um, John Brown was at 85% of the snaps. Cole Beasley was at 68% of the snaps. Then Isaiah McKenzie's down there at 42%. Robert Foster, 20%. Duke Williams, 16%. Zay Jones at 16% as well. So even if you add up a lot of those little guys in there, the Isaiah McKenzie's, Duke Williams, Robert Foster, you don't really get enough for Stephon Diggs. So he's going to take away from John Brown. You've got Stephon Diggs in there. Cole Beasley's still going to get his targets, still going to get his snaps. So where are those snaps for Gabe Davis coming? And they're probably coming from Foster or Williams. So we're talking about 16% of the snaps, maybe. 20% of the snaps, maybe. So I don't know if he's definitely going to be a big member of the passing game. I think they're looking more toward 2021 season for Gabriel Davis um, and um, Isaiah Hodgins, who they took later in the 2020 NFL draft um, when a guy like John Brown or Cole Beasley may be on his way out of his deal or they might be looking to you know replace a, 
a veteran at some point, maybe even 2022. So um, I think they're going to be bringing him along slowly, and he might not be making as much of an impact as some other folks want him to right off the bat. Thank you, Timothy, for asking our question here on Facebook Live. Um, moving down here. Timothy Montforth. Again, asks us, uh, do you feel Josh Norman will have a breakout season with uh, Tredavious White and Levi at the corners and him playing more zone? I think Josh Norman returning to zone scheme is in his best interest. He's played very, very well under Sean McDermott before, and going back to his scheme is probably going to help him. Um, I imagine he's going to be the starting cornerback opposite of Tredavious White, and then if he needs to get spelled by Levi Wallace or something like that, then uh, he can do that. So I think he's going to be doing a lot better off as the second cornerback, though, and not the focus and going up against the primary cornerback uh, over and over again. Uh, Sean Thompson asks us, will Dable be more prone to work the ball downfield this season and use less of the misdirection backfield stuff that Bills fan finds so frustrating? I don't find it frustrating. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie did a lot of really good things with that misdirection stuff in the backfield as a wide receiver. Um, it, it bolstered the passing stats, sure. It kept linebackers guessing, especially in the running game. Um, it, it wasn't as kind of sexy as, say, you know, when Josh Allen can chuck it down the field on third and 17 and pick up 18 yards. That's sexy. But it's still creating doubt in the defender's mind. And that's what you want to be doing. You want to be making the defenders think as much as possible because then they're not playing. They're not reacting. They're not running downhill. So um, I, I don't hate the misdirection stuff. Will he be more prone to working the ball downfield this season? Probably. But, I mean, they worked the ball downfield a fair amount last year. I think what they're hoping to do is just get a higher percentage of those plays to actually hit so that they can get a play to Stephon Diggs where they might have missed it to Robert Foster or Duke Williams, especially Duke Williams, say, in the playoff game where he was targeted, what, 10, 11, 12 times, something like that, and dropped almost all of them so or didn't catch most of them. So that's, I think, what they're looking for is better conversion rate on those passes, not necessarily pushing it down the field more. But they probably will a little bit because, obviously, McKenzie's off the field if the Bills are going three wide receivers with uh, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. Thanks, Sean, for that question. Mark Gump comes back to ask, to ask us, how big of a jump can Dawson Knox make this year? I think he can make a pretty big jump. Let me check out Dawson Knox college stats because I don't think they're very good. I just don't think they used him a lot in that passing role. So over at sportsreference.com, uh, in 2018, he had uh, 15 receptions for 284 yards at Ole Miss. So switching over to his pro game, he obviously had more than that. So let me pull those up. In 2019, he had 28 receptions for 388 yards, which is more than he had in any season at Ole Miss. I mean, it makes sense that that Ole Miss offense was loaded and he wasn't a big member of that, a big part of it. But um, I, I do think that they're going to expect a pretty big jump from him in 2020. Where are we? Where are we? 
Um, I think he can make a pretty big jump. I don't know if he's going to go up to say, like, he had 28 receptions last year. Is he going to get to 50? Probably not. Um, but if he gets to 40 receptions and 500 yards and, and four touchdowns and is, you know, really working that underneath stuff as a safety blanket, I think that's good enough for Dawson Knox in the Bills' tight end position. They already have Cole Beasley to play that safety blanket a lot of the time to find the soft spot in the zone and sit down. So I just I like what they're trying to do and not really pigeonhole themselves into having one guy that can do all that stuff. He needs to work on those drops. If he works on those drops, he can make a big leap in his sophomore season. He dropped the ball. Where is it? Why is it not on here? I guess it's not on here uh, that what his drops were. But he's, his, catch percent, his catch percentage is 56% of his passes. Not very good. He needs to bump that up. If he can catch those eight balls that he hit his hands and drops, or even seven of those eight balls, I think is what it ended up being, then, I mean, his numbers are right where we just talked about. He'll be at, like, 36 receptions, 450 yards, somewhere in there. So it, if he can make those catches that he was able that he dropped in 2019, that's a big step forward for him just in and of itself. So thanks for that question, Mark. James makes a good point there. Uh, must have high expectations for Knox, seeing as how we did nothing to really bolster the position. That's true. The Bills brought back uh, Jason Kroon. They brought back Tyler Croft. They kept Lee Smith. Uh, they have Tommy Sweeney. They feel like they're set at that tight end position, both in the short term and the long term. Um, so they haven't really done a whole lot with that position. That's absolutely right. Uh, Paul Horton asks us, uh, do you think Josh will be well protected with this offensive line or is this where the bills need to improve the most i thought the offensive line play was adequate last year it wasn't great um hopefully a second year cody ford can take that next step and um maybe like i was talking about earlier that daryl williams stepping into right guard and allowing john feliciano to switch to left guard could be the shakeup that they need to really get over the hump like i said i didn't think spain was very very good last year. I thought he was okay. He was good. Um, and I think his contract reflects that. Uh, the contract extension he signed this year, or the new contract, I guess, he signed this offseason. Wasn't very good money. Didn't hit the open market. He re-signed in Buffalo. Not a lot of guaranteed money. So I think Spain and the Bills know that it's he's not necessarily the answer at that left guard position, but he's an option at that left guard position. I th he might even be making less than Spencer Long. I'd have to double check that but um what well, i got time why don't i do that spot track um Yeah, Spain is going to count okay 4.75 million this year and so he'll be making uh more money Spencer Long is at 3.1 million, so it's you know it's it's not nothing, but um, but Spain made less than Long did last year, so uh, it's not that he signed this massive deal with a huge ton of money that they can't park him on the bench um, and make him be a reserve. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. But Cody Ford, I, I'm going to keep saying the right tackle position, Cody Ford, Cody Ford, Cody Ford. If that's where they want him, he needs to take that step in year two. Thanks, Paul, for the question. Thank you.
Yeah, Bills News Consolidated. Dawson Knox had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf as teammates at Ole Miss. Yeah, that's one of the reasons he wasn't targeted very much. I wouldn't target him much either if I was just chucking it up to, to D.K. Metcalf. Uh, Travis Wilson, do you think Brown and Beasley can match their numbers from last year with Diggs becoming the true number one? Or do you think Diggs will cut into their production because he demands touches? I think he's going to cut John Brown's production maybe in half. Um, John Brown is used to being a number two receiver. He had the best season of his career last year as the number one receiver here in Buffalo. But it was the first time he had gone over, well, sorry, not the first time. Uh, In his second year, he did 101 catches for 1,003 yards. So when he goes for 72 catches and 1,060 yards in 2019, it was a really, really good year for him. Um, But he was targeted 115 times. He's never been targeted that many times in an NFL season before. So if he drops back down to, say, the 75, 80 range, that's going to take, you know, 30 to 40 of his targets away. Then you pick up the targets that Zay Jones had, that Robert Foster had, that Duke Williams had, and I think you can start to get to that number where Stefan Diggs is. So I think that John Brown's production is going to be limited because he's not going to be seeing as many snaps and he's not going to be seeing as many targets as us because of Stefan Diggs and his presence on the team. I think Cole Beasley's role is is different. Uh, He's going to be doing the underneath stuff. He's going to be finding soft spots in the zone coverages. He's going to be working different areas of the field than Diggs. So I think his stats are probably going to stay pretty similar. Uh, He may get fewer snaps if they're trying to go with, you know, a longer look and keep, say, Dawson Knox in as that security blanket underneath. But we haven't seen that from the Bills. So if we're just talking about what we've seen from Brian Dable before, I think it's going to mostly come out of John Brown's pocket, plus that kind of Zay Jones, Duke Williams, Robert Foster, they, everything that they tried to plug in at that third wide receiver spot last year. Thanks, Travis, for your question over on our Facebook Live. Have you seen anything in the workouts to be able to say if Josh Allen will improve on those intermediate passes? That question comes from Avery, Wal- Avery Walken. I haven't seen any workouts other than the cut tapes that have been put out by Josh Allen and, you know, during his little workouts. Um, The Bills haven't had minicamp. They haven't had um, OTAs or anything that the press might normally be invited to. So I haven't seen anything in shorts and a T-shirt that's going to lead me to believe anything would change anyway. But um, uh, we need to see it in action. And it's really not the intermediate passes that are problematic. He can throw the 17-yard out. He can throw 15-yard passes. It's his long passes that are his big problem. Those are his Achilles heel. Uh, He can't throw the deep ball. He gets, whether it's he gets too excited and overthrows the guy or um, tries to throw a back shoulder, but his, his receivers don't aren't on the same page, whatever it is. uh, He just can't throw those deep passes. And hopefully that's what he can do with Stefan Diggs moving forward. Uh, Bill's News Consolidated says, will Kroom make the roster? I doubt it. Um, Jason Kroom is, what, the fourth tight end, fifth tight end, because you have to count Lee Smith in there. They really like having Lee Smith as that sixth offensive lineman who can occasionally leak out and catch a pass. So if Dawson Knox is a lock and – well, he's probably the only lock, but Dawson Knox is the lock. Then you've got Tyler Croft, who was just guaranteed some money as part of his restructure. You've got Lee Smith, who is just who's 
a solid piece and they used him a ton in 2019 whether you guys like that or not um, they used him a ton and then you've got Tommy Sweeney who's another developmental guy that you might want around for a while is Jason Kroon better than Tommy Sweeney I don't know he who was on injured reserve all of last year to kind of stash him um, he's got NFL experience so at least it'll be it could be between Kroon and Sweeney for that fourth and final tight end spot that's if they keep four tight ends um, and we don't know what they're going to do at fullback either so there's a lot of question marks when it comes to roster building. They're going to cut very, very good NFL players this year. Well, they're going to cut rosterable NFL players this year, and they're going to cut guys that aren't just camp bodies. So it's going to be tough decisions like guys like Jason Kroom or Tommy Sweeney or even guys like Patrick DeMarco or Lee Smith who have played significant roles on the team going forward. Thanks for the question, BNC, about Jason Kroom. Uh, Circling the Wagons, who does another great podcast over on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network for us. You can just go to any of your podcast apps and search for Buffalo Rumblings. Um, and all of our shows are just on the same feed. Uh, we label each show, so you'll get the Circling the Wagon show. You'll get Buffalo Rumblings Q&A or um, you know, the Bruce exclusive, Chat with Nick Bat, uh, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Believe. I, I hope I got everybody because if I forgot someone, I'll feel bad. But um is Dawson Knox the Josh Allen of the tight end room? Like he has high upside, he's super raw, and has either huge plays or huge drops. I mean, maybe is Dawson Knox the Josh Allen in the tight end room? They both have you know leadership potential. They both are really outgoing. Uh, they both have great hair. So I mean, I could see where you would make that connection where you would say jo- Dawson Knox is the Josh Allen of the tight end room. Um, they're both really young. You know, they have the, the older veteran leadership in the room as well, whether you're talking about Lee Smith in the tight end room or Matt Barkley in the quarterback room. So I can see where you were, would make that comparison. Um, hopefully Knox can cut down on those drops and Allen can cut down on the overthrows and everybody can be happy. Thanks, CTW. Um, Mark Gump brings up that they did try to sign Greg Olson. Uh, Joe Biscalia and Matthew Fairburn talked about that a little bit in their offensive breakdown a couple weeks ago, and they think that it may have just been a favor to Olsen uh, to, I don't know, get some interest percolating for a guy that they really like. And if even if they did bring in Greg Olson, I don't know if it's necessarily an indictment of Dawson Knox. They want a veteran in every room, and, you know, that they can bring in Greg Olson, get rid of Tyler Croft, and boom, boom, like a one-for-one trade. I don't think it would have meant that Dawson Knox and Dawson Knox wasn't on the team or that Dawson Knox wouldn't have had a role on this team. So uh, that's a good point, Mark, that they did try to bring in Greg Olson, but at least two of the Bills beat reporters uh, brought that report, um, at least questioned that report a couple weeks ago. Um, scrolling through here. just finally caught up to you uh jesse is it enriquez uh asked where's nick bat nick um is recording a podcast this week it's coming out on sunday he he wasn't able to record last week so that's why he's not there he recorded one and released or sorry two weeks ago he recorded one and released it what three days ago now on saturday it was an update for his uh, covid19 podcast that he ran I guess if a couple months ago now. So that's in your podcast feed as well. If you want to go check that out, that's where Nick Bagot is. He's recording podcasts. 
All right, keep dropping questions into the Facebook live feed. I'm gonna go over here right now. You guys are kind of more responding to my stuff than um, asking new questions, and that's fine. You, you do you in there, so that's cool. Um, Explain in detail your thoughts on the addition of a time management or analytic voice in Sean McDermott's ear on game day. This is another one from Van Scott, one of our uh, big time commenters over at buffalorumblings.com. How common is this within the league? Um, he asked, uh, it's a longer question over in the comments section at buffalorumblings.com, but uh, he's asking about the, the new game day coach, the, the analytics coach that Sean McDermott hired this off season or promoted or gave an additional task to, I guess it is. Um, I think Sean McDermott's biggest problem as a coach since he entered the league is game management. And for him to know that, admit that, and say, we're going to get better at that by doing this is a great step. Sean McDermott is a huge growth mindset guy. And if you haven't read Mindset by Carol Dweck, you should really do it if you want to get inside Sean McDermott's head a little bit as far as this growth mindset piece. It's a great book. talks about how you... Um, Growth, having a growth mindset allows you to get better at something that maybe you struggled with in the past or that you feel limited on, as opposed to having a fixed mindset where you are just like, oh, I was born this way, I can never get better. So what McDermott did is he elevated one of his coaches, uh, Mark Lubick, to being a, a game day kind of analytics guy. So he's the guy that's going to be like, hey, you're supposed to go for it on fourth down here, or hey, this is a good time to kick the field goal, or whatever it happens to be. That's going to be his role. And so uh, there are a couple of them around the league having, you know, it's not like a standardized position on each coaching staff, so you might see it labeled as something different in you know, on each team's roster of coaches, uh, but he doesn't have, Mark Lubick, I should say, doesn't have any experience in this area per se, uh, but I mean, he's got a whole off season where he can kind of dive into the numbers and, and start to look at that. So um, I'm glad Sean McDermott's doing something about what I think is his worst quality as an NFL head coach, um, but he's already proven that he can improve on that. He did it last year. I thought he was better in 2019 than he was in 2018 and better in 2018 than he was in 2017. So I've certainly publicly questioned him on this, and I'm glad that he is working on it. Uh, so that was over at buffalorumblings.com. we got some more questions in Facebook Live here now. Do you think there's a chance they could try converting Duke Williams into a tight end? There's a chance he gets cut. Uh, but I think he would thrive as a tight end. I don't know if he has the body type for that. Let, let's look at what he was listed at on the Bills roster. He's listed as 6'3", 225. The Bills tight ends all have 30 pounds on him, except for Jason Kroom, who has 40 pounds on him. Or, sorry, 20 pounds on him. I went the wrong way in my brain. So Jason Kroom uh, is the lightest of the tight ends, and that means Duke Williams would have to gain 20 pounds this offseason to kind of get there. Uh, maybe he could do that on the practice squad, uh, but I don't necessarily know if that's really his game. Uh, yeah, he's a physical receiver, but I don't know if he's like a blocking guy. I mean, he's willing to block, but is that his forte? And is that going to help his career? I don't know. Um, he's got good long speed. Uh, if you added 20 pounds to his frame, what would that do to that? It would probably make him slower. So I think it's more likely that um, he would say, no, I don't want to move to tight end, and they would cut him, and then he would find somewhere else to go and stay as one of those borderline practice squad candidates. Now, I will say this. If the NFL 
implement some of their roster changes like they've been talking about with expanded uh, practice squad rosters, guys being able to come up and down. He's definitely a candidate to go on the Bills practice squad and hop up and down off the roster every once in a while if the Bills have an injury at wide receiver. Uh, So he's one of those borderline players, like I said before, at the tight end position. There are going to be NFL caliber players on this roster that get cut at the end of August. Um, He's probably going to be one of them. Robert Foster is probably going to be one of them. And, you know, we can't necessarily get attached to guys that have had, you know, flashes because it's not enough to be consistently on this roster anymore because they've done such a good job of building the depth. Uh, So thanks for that question about Duke Williams, Travis. Mark, Gump, do the amount of designed runs for Josh Allen worry you considering the risk and that Barkley and Fromm are below average NFL backups. Um, do they concern me? Sometimes. <laughs> That's a we- I know it's weird. But like, think about the game against the Houston Texans. They had the quarterback draw called. They had Dawson Knox out in front. He misses a block. Josh Allen gets tackled. Series is over. If jo- Dawson Knox makes that block, Josh Allen's at the 20-yard line. The Bills have a chip shot field goal to win that game. So... I think it can be very effective, um, just like the Wildcat was effective, because now you're 11 on 11 again instead of the quarterback handing off the ball, and now it's 10 offensive players going against 11 defensive players. So I I think it's effective in a lot of ways. I don't want to see him take the hits he took against the New England Patriots um, and got knocked out of the game last year. I don't want him to take those hits. I don't want him jumping over Minnesota Vikings linebackers anymore. I want him to slide. I want him to get out of bounds or not take the hit. We need him to stay healthy if the Bills are going to go anywhere of significance in 2020 and beyond. So he needs to stay healthy in order for the Bills to do that. So I want to see him avoid hits. They can design plays where he can avoid hits or at least be able to get out of it. Um, But I also don't want to neuter him. Like that's one of the ways he's going to rally the guys. That's one of the ways he's going to get the team and the fans behind him. So um, do the amount of them worry me? Some, I guess in some games they do and in some games they don't. In some situations they do and in some situations they don't. I know it's kind of a cop-out answer and it's on both sides, but I, I, I really don't want to take them out of the playbook because he's effective at them and it gives defenses another element that they have to worry about. You know, I mean, you saw Patrick Mahomes do it in the playoff game, in the, whatever the I think it was the AFC Championship game against the Titans. You know, he you need to have that element if you're going to be a super successful quarterback in today's NFL, and I just don't want it to be second guessed or, or taken out. Thanks for a question on Facebook Live. Uh, we're taking questions on Facebook Live tonight. Uh, This is the first podcast of July for Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. So as we get closer and closer to training camp, we'll still be taking your questions over on Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. As a reminder, you can uh, give us a phone call at 716-508-0405. Tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Email us at buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. There are lots of ways to get in touch with our show. We're going to take one more question from buffalorumblings.com's comment section. And um, where are we? Um, What percentage would you give the Bills of re-signing Tredavious White? And this is from, who is it, Believe. And he asks us to give odds from before COVID and after COVID. 
I do think it's likely that they re-sign Tredavious White, but I'm not as 100% Stone Cold Lock as most people are with them re-signing Tredavious White. I think he's a great player. I just, I watched them let Josh Norman walk out of Carolina and not re-sign him after he became an All-Pro. So, I, I put it at between 75 and 80% um, for the Bills to, to re-sign Tredavious White, and I know that that's hyper-specific, but um, I, I just don't see it as a lock like a lot of people do. I know he's the best player on the roster. I know he's a great player, but I also know that the Bills and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have been making chicken salad out of chicken poo at the cornerback position, you know, really since they got here opposite Tredavious White. And so they might feel like they could do that. They watched Josh Norman leave in Carolina and they were able to be fine in Carolina. So I think it's about, you know, a three and four chance that they re-sign Tredavious White, which I think is pretty high for a cornerback for Sean McDermott. So that's a question from Believe over at buffalorumblings.com. Last question goes to Travis Wilson. Do you think Singletary is going to be on the short leash with Moss taking over his lead back if he can't fix his fumbling problem? Even if Singletary matches or even, oh, or is improving his 5.1 average after all the fumbles last year, especially with spending a third-round pick on Moss. I had to reach over and expand Travis's comment there. I couldn't see it. Um, Singletary did have some drops, uh, but they also went away as the season wore on. I'm looking at his stats from last year. He had four fumbles. Um, which games were they in? He had four fumbles. Two of them were against Miami in week 11. And then two of them were against Pittsburgh in week 15. So uh, he had two games where he wasn't very good at that. Um, and that's when he put it on the ground. We're just in those two games. Um, I don't think he's going to be on a short lease and leash, and I don't think he's going to be on notice. I think they want a real one-two punch. I think they want Singletary to carry the load 55%, 60% of the time, and Moss to come in and spell him. And if it reverses in some games because Moss is the hot hand or is you know just rattling off chunks of yards, I think they're okay with that. Uh, they took both of them in the third round. So I think they value both of them pretty much equally. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't think either of them is go, are going to be, quote-unquote, the lead back. I think they're going to be very close, say, you know, within 10 percentage points as far as snaps go. So if it's, you know, Singletary on first and second down, yes, uh, Bill's News Consolidated says that Singletary had the hamstring injury. Yeah, he only did play in, I don't know, how many games? 12 games? I guess 12 games. So, yeah, he didn't play in every one of the games. He sat out in Week 17, too. So, like, it the fumble rate is pretty high. I get that. But um, I, I do think that they're going to be like that one-two punch at the running back position, not necessarily Singletary being the lead guy getting 75% of the touches with, with Moss at 25%. And that flips around because uh, Singletary has a couple fumbles. I think they're going to be pretty darn close. It, it won't be 50-50 because they're not going to have a running back on the field for 100% of the plays. So it might be like, say, 50-40 or 45-45. Uh, 38 or something like that. So I, I'm i not of the belief that they're going to bench Devin Singletary for fumbles. So, But, I mean, they did obviously 
draft him, and that was more to replace Frank Gore than it was necessarily to put Devin Singletary on notice. All right. Thanks for tuning into our Facebook Live this week. It's been great. We'll do another uh, live Q&A probably uh, in the middle or beginning of August at some point. Um, it may be on Facebook. It may be on Twitter. maybe on Instagram. Uh, keep tuning into the show to find out where that is, and we'll post it on Twitter and all over the place as well. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, this week. Uh, it's been really fun to be on Facebook Live and try to add this kind of um, medium to our toolkit. So uh, have a good night. Bye. Go Bills. Thank you.